Hello, and welcome to the podcast, Buffy and the Art of Story, Season 6, a Buffy rewatch podcast that recaps one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer at a time, focusing on the story elements, what works, and very occasionally, what doesn't. Today, I'm talking about Season 6, Episode 21, Two to Go, Part 1 of the two-part season finale where Buffy and friends try to stop Willow from killing Andrew and Jonathan. I am Lisa M. Lilly, mystery and thriller author, story expert, and founder of writingasasecondcareer.com. You can find my fiction at lisalilly.com. Along with a breakdown of the episode, today I'll talk about how Willow becomes a villain, not just an antagonist in Two to Go, why Willow is so much more intriguing than the protagonist and her friends, and whether repetition here conveys theme or slows the story. As always, there will be no spoilers until we get to the foreshadowing section, but I'll give you plenty of warning. Okay, let's dive into the Hellmouth. Two to Go aired the first time on May 21, 2002. It was written by Douglas Petrie and directed by Bill L. Norton. The episode starts exactly where the last one, Villains, left off. At the end of that, Willow flayed Warren and killed him in the woods. Now Buffy, Xander, and Anya run through those woods, but Xander has to stop. He's going to be sick. This is the opening conflict for the episode that draws the audience immediately in, and then we get some dialogue reminding us what happened last time. Buffy tells Xander there's no time to stop. She knows how bad he feels about what Willow did and what's happening to her, but Willow said one down. Anya fills in the rest, saying that next comes two to go, meaning Jonathan and what's-his-face. This is the continuing joke about no one remembering who Andrew is. Anya goes on that those two are in jail and have no idea Willow's coming. Xander doesn't think Willow would kill them too. They weren't involved in Tara's death, but Buffy says Willow has an addictive personality. She won't stop now, and she might be at the jail already. Anya gives them and us some new information that a witch at Willow's level can only stay airborne for so long. It impresses the locals, the flying thing, but it's slower than teleporting. And now Anya vanishes, presumably teleporting herself. And Xander says, right, vengeance demon. Well, at least she'll get there first. Buffy responds, counting the ways that can go wrong. Buffy's concerned about Anya going up against Willow tonight. Xander's not. He's sure Willow will start coming down soon, and it's still Willow, and Warren had it coming. He was just getting started as a cold-blooded serial killer of women. Buffy says maybe Warren deserved it, but Jonathan and Andrew don't. This view Xander has that Willow will stop and that Warren deserved it, so killing Warren didn't put Willow over the edge, is part of why, as we start the episode, Willow isn't a true villain yet, despite last episode's title, Villains. And Buffy's goal throughout this episode is to try to keep Willow from turning into one. Clearly, Willow's 
the antagonist and they've been trying to stop her but now she is so close to that line buffy is more realistic here about it than xander they finally reach xander's car but willow destroyed it buffy tells xander to meet her at the jail and runs on ahead xander frustrated by how ineffective he is says okay then i'll just catch up she's only my best friend you know no big deal just and he bangs his fist on the car hood glad I can help at two minutes 18 seconds we go to credits even this opening scene is a little bit of why the protagonists here are not as engaging as Willow Buffy though clearly very concerned for Willow and she will do all the things she should do to try to stop Willow doesn't express a whole lot of emotion even when she's saying to Xander yes I get that you're really upset it's more of a yeah I get it but we got to move on of course they do but Buffy in seasons one through five would have had a lot more empathy for Xander and expressed more of it even if she had to do it just as quickly and push him along And Xander, this is the start of his not just frustration, but self-pity. I get it that he feels this way, but it also doesn't make us all that engaged with him. After the credits, the scene is set at the jail. Andrew is still hoping Warren will save them. He tells Jonathan to move a little to the left. Andrew is trying to hear signals from any transmitter Warren might have placed somewhere. His new theory is Warren is just testing them. They need to figure out how he's communicating. Jonathan scoffs at Andrew. They argue about what Lex Luthor did in the Superman comics, but Jonathan clearly in no way believes Warren will come back and Andrew says this is why we get jetpacks and all you get is left behind and Jonathan responds so you admit it because last episode Andrew tried to say oh we were gonna come back for you and Andrew now says why not you were out of the trio a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and he goes on that it's because Jonathan has no respect for the chain of command and Jonathan points out that Andrew's approach hasn't gotten him very far. This repeats conflicts from the previous episode and we will see more repetition with the geeks and it got me thinking that much in the way that episodes one and two of this season felt like there wasn't quite enough material for two episodes but there was too much for one at the end these last four episodes so this is the third of the four feel a bit the same way it feels to me like there was enough material for a little over three episodes but instead there are four so we get a lot of returning to the same scene the same arguments said in different ways and that is one of the struggles with network tv with its required length and number of episodes where now with streaming episode lengths can vary season lengths can vary and if you are writing a novel while there are some conventions on about how long it should be you have a lot more flexibility I think this episode could have been cut back and it is already one of the shortest ones in 
the season and probably the series. It comes in right around 40 minutes. Anya now startles Andrew and Jonathan by appearing right in their cell and she yells for the guard. Jonathan and Andrew are really confused and Anya fills them in and again reminds the audience what happened last episode. It is really well done. It's very Anya-like, but I'm not sure that we needed it given that we were reminded in the opening scene. Anya says, Warren shot Buffy. Warren shot Tara. Buffy's alive. Tara's dead. Willow found out and being the most powerful Wicca in the Western Hemisphere, decided to get payback with interest. Andrew says, what, what about Warren? Anya says she killed him, ripped him apart, and bloodied up the forest doing it. Now she's coming here, and the two of you are next. And Andrew says, oh my god, Warren. And Jonathan says, oh my god, me. And I love this difference between their two reactions. Andrew now insists they didn't do anything. As they yell for the guard, who finally appears, Anya tells him something terrible is coming for them. When he questions what it is, she says something you're not prepared for. After teleporting outside the cell, so you would think that would convince the guard a little bit that something's going on. And she says again, things are dangerous and they are coming. We cut to Willow outside the police station. And there's all this electricity and lightning around her as she appears, proving Anya's point of it's very flashy and impresses the locals, the flying part. We're about 6 minutes 20 seconds in. I think this moment when Willow appears is the story spark or inciting incident for the two-episode arc. That's the moment that gets the main plot rolling. In a way, it was already rolling. It started last episode with Willow's line, one down, and is also why I think this really is a four-episode story arc. But for this episode, this is the moment we know for sure Willow is going to directly confront Andrew and Jonathan. And for the first time, directly pose a danger to them. Willow is still black-haired, dark-eyed, dressed all in dark clothes, and she uses a spell to knock an officer out. So the first time we see Willow really harming a quote-unquote good guy, she did stop her friends before. She immobilized Anya, she pushed Xander and Buffy back, but she did not harm them in the same way that she does the cop. She then uses magic to dismantle the upper part of the brick wall. It's the one that backs Andrew and Jonathan's cell, and we cut back to inside where Anya is still begging the guard to let Andrew and Jonathan out. The guard, though, tells him to stay there. That's where they'll be safe, and he runs off, and I love Anya's line. She says, are you even listening? This is the one place they won't be safe. Outside, Willow throws guards and police officers aside with magic. Buffy watches from out of sight and eventually sneaks into the jail. Andrew is again, as he cowers against a wall, insisting we didn't do anything. Jonathan says, yes, we did. We signed on. We teamed up. We wanted to see where our plans would take us. We'll take a look. This is it. 
And I do like hearing this at least once from them. It again highlights the difference. Jonathan is taking responsibility. No, he and Andrew didn't know about the gun. They didn't directly help Warren kill Tara, but they did enable Warren throughout this whole season and they did team up with him and they knew he was doing terrible things. This adds to the idea that Willow is not quite yet a complete villain, despite that she's coming after them. They were part of the trio, they were part of Warren's gang, and we're both all in. Andrew more so than Jonathan, and Jonathan has been starting to break away, but they are responsible. Andrew begs Anya to teleport them out, and she explains she can't take them with her. The wall breaks apart, more bricks fly out. We get a quick cut to Buffy as she races up the stairs, then back outside to Willow again as officers draw guns on her. She now flies up to this giant hole she's made in the wall. But by the time she gets there, the cell's empty, the bars are bent apart, and Willow says Buffy. Anya's still there and tries to talk to Willow, and Willow knocks her out with lightning bolts and screams a loud primal scream that goes on and on, and we cut to a commercial. On return, Willow is still screaming. Buffy is outside with Andrew and Jonathan. They're about to just try to run for it, but Xander pulls up. He stole a police car. Buffy sits in front with Xander. Jonathan and Andrew are in the back and they're still stunned. Jonathan asks where they're going and Buffy says they'll try to find somewhere safe and figure out how to stop Willow. And Andrew says, run and hide. That's your brilliant plan. Jonathan too whines a bit and Xander, very funny here, says, boys, if you don't knock it off, I will pull this car over and you can just walk to your painful deaths from here. Buffy expresses surprise that Willow hasn't caught up with them yet. At about 10 minutes in, Jonathan asks why Willow doesn't just wave her arms and kill them. She's a witch. She could do it. But Buffy says Willow doesn't want them dead. She wants to kill them. Expressing a pretty good understanding of where Willow is. It isn't about eliminating her enemies or just having that quick vengeance. It's about experiencing it. Andrew again says they didn't do anything. Buffy slugs him, but Xander too wonders why Willow hasn't caught up yet. And now we get some reminders from Jonathan of what Willow used to be like. And in some ways, he's expressing probably what has been going through Xander's head, though Xander certainly has seen Willow's transformation and Jonathan has not. Jonathan says... I still can't believe that was Willow. I mean, I've known her almost as long as you guys. Willow was, you know, she packed her own lunches and wore floods and was always just Willow. Though this is kind of a speech, it doesn't slow the story, unlike that repetition of we didn't do anything, because there's enough conflict going on in their attempts to escape because we haven't heard this expressed before and because Jonathan is showing some genuine emotion here. Now something bangs into the back of the car and Jonathan says, Chisa, what was that? And Xander responds, just Willow. This is all taking place at night and a huge semi-truck is driving with its headlights bright directly behind them. Willow stands on top 
of the cab of the truck using magic to control the vehicle. The driver is helpless and she keeps trying to ram into them and run them off the road. At one point, the truck is pushing the car ahead. Jonathan says she knows you're in this car too, right? Right? This shows Willow's shift into villainy because now she must know her friends are in there. And at the very least, she doesn't care if they are collateral damage in her quest to kill Andrew and Jonathan. But finally, Willow starts becoming exhausted. Jonathan tells Xander to keep driving. Willow drops onto her stomach on the top of that cab and at 12 minutes 35 seconds the truck finally rolls to a stop and Xander and the others escape. This is a little over a quarter way through of the episode. Usually here you see the first major plot turn that comes from outside the protagonist and spins the story in a new direction and raises the stakes. Now this is a two episode arc so we won't necessarily see these uh these plot turns track exactly the way you would in a one episode arc, but there is a major turn here that pretty well fits that. This is from outside Buffy. The fact that it is now clear that Willow does not care if she kills her friends, or at least if they get killed as a byproduct. And while before she did push them out of the way and immobilize them, she did not do anything actively that might kill them. This leads me to why am I assuming Buffy is the protagonist here and not Willow? It is mainly for the same reasons as the last episode, but even more so here. Buffy or Buffy's friends are the main point of view characters. And when they interact with Willow, we almost always see it from their point of view. We are in the car with Xander and Buffy. We're not up on the truck with Willow. We do get some shots of her, but we're not really in her head. We're in Buffy's head or that of her friends. They both have an active goal. Buffy's is to keep Willow from crossing the line. Willow's is to cross that line and get her vengeance. But she is still mainly in reaction mode as in the last episode, though that will start to change. Finally, Buffy, as last time, has more at stake here. It is the loss of her friend where Willow feels she has already lost everything in her heart. I believe Willow's already crossed that line. It's not at stake anymore for Willow. She's already there. She just hasn't carried everything out yet. But for Buffy and her friends, keeping Willow from taking the actions is vital. The scene cuts to Spike's crypt. Clem, who's staying there with Dawn, is feeling bad because he thinks Dawn is bored with their snack food taste test. She assures him it's not that. She wants to be out helping her sister and her friends. And he tells her he agrees it's not fair for her to be cooped up in the crypt. How about going to a movie? So through this dialogue, we get exposition through this minor conflict of Clem feeling bad, filling us in if we missed last episode or we've forgotten why Dawn is there and that Buffy wanted Dawn to stay out of harm's way. 
Dawn is determined, though, to get into harm's way, although that's not her real goal. She wants to try to help Willow, and she asks Clem for his help and asks if she looks weak or incapable to him, and he says, heck, no, and then she asks him for a favor. The trouble with this and why it has never really worked for me is yeah, clearly Dawn does look weak and incapable compared to the demons out there and compared to Willow. And surely Clem can see that. I appreciate that he doesn't try to talk down to Dawn or put her down. But much as I like Dawn much better in this episode because she doesn't do her whining and complaining, she's very determined, she's very caring about Willow, it's just jarring because it does go along with her constantly doing things that will cause more problems for Buffy. Though to be fair, here she doesn't really cause that much more trouble. She just does put herself in danger again. Clem is hesitant to help. He says, your sister's the slayer. I'm a demon. That's real good incentive to get along with her. Dawn says a demon is what she needs and that Spike would have helped. Clem points out that Spike is gone. This is a good segue to where Spike has gone too. We cut to the cave where Spike faces the demon from the last episode. In a deep voice, the demon says, you understand? And Spike sighs and says, yeah, yeah. It's not like you haven't been clear about it, oh great mysterious one. This is a test. I don't get what I want unless I pass said test. That about the size and shape of it? The demon says yes, and Spike says, and since your pad is decked out gladiator style and no number two pencils have been provided, I guess we're not starting with the written. A large muscular man approaches. Spike calls him a walking action figure. He is far bigger than Spike. Spike is ready for him. And then the man's fists burst into flames. I hope your new year is starting well. If one of your goals this year is to write a novel or screenplay, and you find the way I break down story elements helpful, you can apply all of that to your own work by getting free story structure worksheets. Go to writingasasecondcareer.com slash worksheets and get your free download there. And good luck with your writing. The scene cuts to Clem walking with Dawn in the Sunnydale streets in the dark. They are looking for Rack's place. Clem's really nervous. He wants to go home and he tells her there's a reason Rack moves around all the time. It's because he's shady. And Clem says, quote, a bad element comes down here, end quote. Dawn says Willow's part of that element now and that's why Dawn needs to talk to Rack. Clem is not excited about that idea because Rack has a thing for the floppy-eared. And Dawn says she'll talk to Rack alone if she has to. That worries Clem too because Rack likes little girls. Dawn insists she's not a little girl. 
And I do love Dawn's determination, but it reminds me a little bit too much of the horror movie trope where the audience is screaming at the person not to go up into the attic or not to go back into that haunted house, and they do. Though at least Dawn has really good motives here. She truly wants to help Willow. At the magic box, Xander thanks Anya for her help, and she is sarcastic as she comments that once again, quote, Xander needed the big help, end quote. Unfortunately, Anya can't track Willow anymore. Whatever Willow is feeling, it's way beyond simple vengeance. So another step for Willow. She's not just driven by revenge anymore. Andrew suggests he could summon a demon to kill Willow, and Xander threatens Andrew. Buffy says no one's getting killed and tells Jonathan and Andrew to sit down, further drawing lines between the two of them since Jonathan is not suggesting that they should try to kill Willow. Anya finds a book of protection spells that Willow didn't drain, but it's an ancient Sumerian. Jonathan asks to look. He wants to help since Buffy's protecting him, and Buffy makes clear she's not protecting Jonathan and Andrew. She is doing this for Willow's sake only. She sees them as a line Willow is lost if she crosses. Jonathan understands, but he says Willow is running out of power. He can feel it, and she will need to recharge soon. Buffy thanks him for the information and tells him again to shut up. Buffy and Xander talk about what they should do. Buffy says if she finds Willow, Buffy will talk to her and adds that if Willow's running low, she's probably trying to get the magic back. This is a good way to set up the next scene and also set up why Buffy ends up in the same place as Willow. At 18 minutes 57 seconds, the door to Rack's inner sanctum opens and Rack says, hey babe, I've been waiting for you. Guess the rehab didn't take. He goes on about all the power Willow has, how he felt it and liked it. He's very predatory, and Willow plays along, pretending to still be intimidated by him. Rack, he steps up close to her, he's right behind her, and he's putting his hands all over her as he talks. And he says, when you first came to me, you were just a little slip of a girl. Look at you now, so grown up so full of dark juice. He speaks right into her ear, and you still taste like strawberries, only now you're ripe. He goes on that he guesses she wants something. Willow nods, appearing meek, her eyes cast down, and he whispers, so tell me, strawberry, what on this earth do you want? He's almost mouth to mouth with her and Willow now quotes Rack back to himself and says just take a little tour. She puts a hand on his chest and sucks all the power out of him and crackling with electricity as he groans in pain she lifts him off the floor. This is a little over 20 minutes halfway through the episode and normally here we would see a major commitment by the protagonist or a major reversal and this is a good one for the episode Willow killing Rack is a reversal for Buffy because it moves Willow farther down that line Uh, she has now killed another human being no matter how repulsive he is and it's a pretty big commitment for Willow 
all the same, I think the actual moment is just a bit later. And for the two episode arc, this would be, this next moment would be the one quarter turn. So I'll, I'll talk about why that is. The reason Rack, I think, is not quite a turn or a huge line is because he is so awful. Yes, Willow's taken another step. But he comes really close to the Warren territory, despite that we haven't actually seen him kill anyone. We are still rooting for Willow. Also, what makes Willow more interesting, because she's a villain and we want to see her stopped and saved, and yet we can empathize with her. Rack was so awful to her and he's so predatory and Clem has just told us that he preys on girls in particular so we're kind of rooting for Willow at this point which is always an interesting place to be in a story. At 20 minutes, 50 seconds, Dawn enters Rack's waiting area. Clem hesitates when she heads for that door to go in to talk to Rack, and she asks him if he wants to wait in the waiting room. He does, and she goes in alone. It's kind of a nice moment between them. Dawn calls Willow's name as she enters, then turns and sees Rack's dead body hanging head down from the ceiling. And she screams, which is one time I am all in with Dawn screaming. She tries to run and scary. Now, veiny, dark-haired Willow is suddenly in her way. She says, hey, cutie. And the scene cuts to a commercial. On return, Dawn tells Willow she looks terrible, asks if Willow killed Rack, and Willow tells her, believe her, it's an improvement. She won't let Dawn leave, and Dawn tries to reason with Willow, but Willow tells her Dawn doesn't even need to talk. She can just think really loud. Willow can hear her, and she scoffs when Dawn seems freaked out by all these powers Willow has. Dawn then blurts out that she misses Tara too, but this isn't the way to go. Willow will make things worse. At first, Willow seems moved. We see that bit of emotion breaking through, something that we are not going to see from Buffy in the entire episode. But then she interrupts Dawn to ask, does Dawn really miss Tara and whether Dawn cried? Willow answers herself, saying, of course Dawn cried. Dawn cries because she's human, but she wasn't always. Dawn says, yes, she was, which is a little weird because Dawn knows that she wasn't. Maybe she's saying all her memories are of being human. Willow calls her Donnie, as Glory used to do, and points out that Dawn used to be a big ball of energy. Doesn't she remember that? Maybe that's why she's always crying. And this next moment is the one that, to me, is the major reversal because Willow now says, want to go back and the pain? You'll be happier. I'll be happier. We'll all be a lot happier without listening to the constant whining. And she seems deadly serious here. And Dawn says, Willow, stop. And Willow says, Mom, Buffy, Tara, wah, and threatens to turn her back into an energy ball. And that, to me, is that one-quarter turn. It's from outside of Buffy. 
It is Willow going so far as to threaten to turn Dawn into the energy. Again, what they all strove for in season five to save Dawn from. And it really seems like Willow's going to do it. And this is what puts Willow firmly in villain territory for me. Buffy comes in just in time as Dawn is cringing away from Willow. Buffy tells Willow to get away from Dawn. This also is such a shift because Willow always had empathy for Dawn, even when Buffy didn't. In the very first episode where Dawn was introduced, we see that Dawn bonded with Willow and Tara, their chess partners. Later on in the series, when Buffy is overwhelmed by having to care for Dawn, Willow is sticking up for Dawn, trying to be there for her, trying to take her side with Buffy. And now all of that is just gone. At least it's gone on the surface where Willow is making this threat. Underneath, I believe it's there because that's part of why Willow has that breakthrough emotion. She knows Dawn really misses Tara. She knows Dawn knows how she feels. Maybe that's why she wants to get rid of Dawn. She does not want those reminders. This for Buffy exponentially raises the stakes. Buffy not only worked so hard through season five to save Dawn, she sacrificed her life to save her. And in a way, if Dawn were turned back, it would make everything Buffy has gone through, season five and six, meaningless. This also shows how far Willow's magic addiction, as the season has been calling it, has hijacked who Willow is. At the magic box, Xander looks over Anya's shoulder as she's translating. She tells him to back off. None of it is going well. All she's got so far is the, or maybe towards. Jonathan tells them he's pretty sure it's Babylonian, not ancient Sumerian. Xander tells him to sit down unless he can read Babylonian, and he sits. This is a bit repetitive as well. We've already had Jonathan offers to help, and maybe he has some skills where he could, and the good guys tell him, sit down. Now there's some conflict between Andrew and Jonathan. Andrew doesn't see why Jonathan's offering to help. He says, what happens if Buffy and friends do, quote, kill that wicked bitch, end quote. So more aligning of Andrew with Warren, who would call Buffy bitch and Willow a bitch and Katrina a bitch. And Andrew goes on that if Buffy succeeds, she and her friends aren't going to let Jonathan and Andrew go. And he tries to convince Jonathan that the two of them in this magic shop with all these supplies could easily defeat Xander and Anya and escape and start again. This part is a little different. Andrew says, we can be a duo, you and me. You can even be the leader. I swear, I'll take orders. I like taking orders. Just tell me what to do. And Jonathan says, you want an order? Grow up. The differences between Andrew and Jonathan to this point have been about taking responsibility. But now we have a slightly different theme emerging, that theme of taking orders. And that has been in the other episodes, and I didn't really pick up on it, but it's pretty clear here the danger of taking 
orders. Andrew is a follower. Warren was the strong man and Andrew followed him and went along. He also had all these feelings for Warren, but he is perfectly willing here to switch allegiance and follow Jonathan, at least for now. Jonathan is the one who can think for himself more, which is what led him to break away. We also see some of this theme reflected in Xander, who feels so ineffective. Buffy is the one who is taking action. Anya's taking action. He isn't able to do that much. So it's not exactly that he's taking orders, but there is that sense of not being a leader in the group. And earlier, Dawn didn't follow Buffy's orders, and Buffy did pretty much order her around last episode to stay with Clem. And the result of that was Dawn put herself in danger. Once again, must be Tuesday, Dawn's in danger. But in the end, in this episode, Dawn is not going to come to more harm because of it. She will just be there when everything is happening. And Jonathan's distinction from Andrew suggests here that not following orders can be a real strength, that it is important to be able to think for yourself. Jonathan now grabs Andrew and pushes him up against a bookcase. Xandrew and Anya tell them to cut it out, but Andrew tells them Willow won't stop with Jonathan and Andrew. She'll go on and kill her former friends. He uses a ton of Star Wars references and metaphors when he says it, and Xander suggests that Andrew has never had even a tiny bit of sex. But Anya says, quote, the annoying virgin has a point, end quote, and goes on that Willow might well come after them after flaying those two. Xander insists they are Willow's friends. Willow would never hurt them. And Anya tells him she tried to use you for a hood ornament, Xander. She doesn't care if you live or die. And now we get more self-pitying Xander. And he says, guess you two finally have something in common. Anya responds, I care if you live or die, Xander. I'm just not sure which one I want. Then Xander says again with the comfort because he commented earlier how she wasn't providing much comfort in her observations about what was happening. Xander now says, look, we both know things might get ugly at Wickapalooza, and if it gets really bad, and Anya's so funny here, says, let me guess, you'll propose? A really nice callback to season five, but Xander says he needs to know if Anya will turn on him and take vengeance. She says she'd love to, but she can't not officially, not magically, so he could smile he got away with it. Anya can't hurt him. Xander says, right, because you varnishing the table with a spike, how could that possibly have hurt? It may have chafed. And Anya says, that wasn't vengeance, it was solace. I have always loved this line from Anya because it is such a lovely expression of those moments with her and Spike and I believe her completely and it was solace for both of them. Another nice callback. Anya says she can't hurt him. She'll just have to settle for hating him. And now Xander says, if that's what you need to do. And Anya, good for her, is having none of it and tells him he doesn't get to play the martyr. None of this would be happening if it weren't for him. Xander now says he knows she doesn't have to tell him. He's no hero. He saw the gun in Warren's hand, but 
He froze, he couldn't move, and Warren shot Buffy and killed Tara before Xander could do anything. He continues that he already knows he's useless and it's his fault he got the memo. Anya is somewhat compassionate now and says, quietly, I was talking about us. While Xander and his self-pity annoy me a bit here, this is such great dialogue. It shows very genuinely how people argue and fight and how they hurt one another. Xander took what Anya said the way he did because of his own insecurities. And it's a very real example of how that can happen. Someone else doesn't mean to hurt you in that way, but because you feel that way inside, it hits so hard. And I believe Anya was not trying to say it was Xander's fault that his friends got killed. And I believe that Xander took it that way. The reason it annoys me is because throughout, Xander is so focused on himself rather than on how he can help. And I get that he's super insecure. I'm actually not sure, though, that this episode does Xander justice because one of his strengths has always been his loyalty to his friends and the fact that he shows up. He can't do that much, but he shows up and he does everything he can. Even in season three, when he hated Angel and was super jealous of him, in the episode of Men's, he turned up at the library to help Buffy try to figure out what was wrong with Angel. He had his moments of pettiness, for sure, many of them, but usually he still is there and tries to do what he can. Maybe we are just catching him at his lowest moment, and of course, he feels low. Willow is his best and oldest friend, but for once, I feel like it is not quite what the real Xander would do. That The real Xander, at least as he has been built as a character, I think would have showed up a little better in this episode. At 28 minutes, 41 seconds, Buffy tells Willow to back down from Dawn. Willow calls her a buzzkill. And Dawn, still in shock, whispers, she tried to turn me back. Buffy points out Willow's attacking the people she loves now and says Willow needs help. Buffy keeps moving closer as they talk and finally grabs Dawn's arm and tells her to run. If you would like to get more content, you can do so through patreon.com slash Lisa M. Lilly. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash L-I-S-A M as in Marie L-I-L-L-Y. There are lots of bonus episodes there, including the bestest Buffy birthday bashes, Buffy in the world of work, crime, punishment, and the trio. Those are from this season. And I am now working on a bonus about Buffy's season six arc and whether where it ends in Grave is justified or believable given what we have seen about Buffy. You can listen to all those for just a dollar a month and you will get early access to every regular episode if you'd like to listen the weekend before the episode releases. At the $5 and up level, you get early access, you can listen to all the bonus content, and you get an ebook edition of Buffy and the Art of Story Season 1, Writing Better Fiction by Watching 
Buffy. So if you want to review season one, you missed that on the podcast, you can read that and you get for free access to all the mini course modules of my course, How to Plot Your Novel from Idea to First Draft. If you'd like to be a super supporter just because you love the podcast at $25 and up, there is a level for that as well. And you can find all that bonus content on Patreon. Look under collections and look for the bonus episodes. That's patreon.com slash Lisa M. Lilly. Willow magically locks and blocks the door. Buffy says Willow has to listen to her. Willow is stronger than the forces inside her. But again, there is no passion, no emotion as Buffy says these things. And she says, you have to remember you're still Willow. Willow now, full of emotion, says, let me tell you something about Willow. She's a loser. She always has been. People picked on Willow in junior high, high school, up until college with her stupid mousy ways. And now Willow's a junkie. And she switches into first person and for the first time looks sad and says the only thing I had going for me were the moments just moments when Tara would look at me and I was wonderful and that will never happen again this breakthrough of emotion is so powerful and so real and we don't know if Willow truly believed this before Tara was killed. Probably some part of her did. And now the grief and the anger makes that outsize and giant and all that matters and all that she believes. In contrast, Buffy's attempts to convince her to stop this lack that power, lack those emotions that used to be one of Buffy's greatest strengths. In season two, Kendra was telling her emotion would cloud her judgment and her fighting, and Buffy argued her emotions made her powerful, made her a stronger fighter, even though Kendra's technique was better. Than Buffy's. And we see throughout season six, Buffy without those emotions. Buffy now tells Willow it'll never end if she lets loose with magic. And Willow says, promise? Buffy goes on about how the whole world and everyone will go away if Willow gets lost in magic. Willow will lose everything. Willow scoffs and interrupts, oh, please, this is your pitch. Buffy, you hate it here as much as I do. I'm just more honest about it. Buffy says, it's not true. Not sounding very convincing. And Willow says, you're trying to sell me on the world? The one where you lie to your friends when you're not trying to kill them? You screw a vampire just to feel? An insane asylum's a comfy alternative? This world? Buffy, it's me. I know you were happier when you were in the ground. The only time you were ever at peace in your whole life was when you were dead until Willow brought you back, you know, with magic. So there's more than just, I don't mean just, but there is more than grief over Tara. There is Willow's guilt over becoming addicted, over magic, maybe over bringing Buffy back. I do think when it really comes down to it, like Xander, 
She is glad Buffy is back, but it's a deep inner conflict she has over having done that. So Willow's grief and where she has gone is very layered. And all these emotions she is keeping at bay through vengeance, through her addiction, through numbing herself, those emotions include that guilt, not just over Buffy, but over all the things she did over hurting Dawn when she was lost to magic before. This also is the three-quarter turn of the episode. That's the last major plot turn that comes out of the midpoint and spins the story yet again, further raising the stakes. And here it is that while they are talking, though Buffy's not aware of it, Willow transports herself, Buffy and Dawn, into the magic box. Buffy and Dawn collapse from the trip, and at 31 minutes, 29 seconds, Willow hurls bolts of electricity at Jonathan and Andrew, and we cut to a commercial. Now, for the first time, Willow is in the same space as Jonathan and Andrew. Buffy is partly incapacitated, and it looks like she will kill them right then raising the stakes exponentially. But we come back from the commercial and those bolts of electricity and magic have not harmed Jonathan and Andrew at all. Willow shocked and puzzled. The audience sees that out of Willow's sight around a corner of the shop, Anya quietly chants a protection spell in Babylonian or Sumerian holding that book. Jonathan and Andrew try to run. Willow slams the door shut with magic, tells them to stay. She's just getting started. They both grab swords that are hanging from a weapons rack by the door. Buffy and Xander try to tell Willow to stop, but she just shoots that electricity out again. The scene cuts to Spike getting beat up in the cave, but he finally manages to break the action figure's neck. He feels triumph, but only for a second, because unfortunately for him, that was only the first stage of the test. Back to Willow again. She is quite frustrated and says that's one effective counterspell protecting them from magic. She wants to know which of them was able to do it. We get a quick cut to Anya chanting again. Neither Jonathan or Andrew are going to tell her anything, but Willow says she can still do magic on herself. She says a spell, there's electricity all around her, and now she tells them she is strong enough physically to beat them to death, and she throws the table that is standing between them aside. But Buffy steps in her way and says, I don't want to hurt you. Willow slugs Buffy, knocking her across the room, and Willow says, not a problem. Buffy gets up and stands in front of Willow again and says, I said I didn't want to. She punches Willow and knocks her across the room. Didn't say I wouldn't. Xander tells Dawn they have to leave and take Jonathan and Andrew with them. He wants Anya to go with, but she says she needs to stay and chant the spell. He tries to argue, and Anya says, go, do something right. Willow tries to follow, but Buffy stops her. It's clear she doesn't want to fight Willow, but Willow smiles and says she wants to fight. This is a huge deal. Quote, six years as the sideman, now I get to be the slayer, end quote. Buffy says a killer isn't a slayer. Being the slayer is something you can't conceive of. Willow tells her she really needs every square inch of her ass kicked, and Buffy says, then show me what you got, and I'll show you what a slayer really is. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You can email me at buffystorypod at gmail.com or send me a message on Patreon. I don't quite buy this or I don't understand why Buffy is being so arrogant here and what her thing about, you know, a killer's not a slayer, being the slayer is something you can't conceive of. I get her her point about being a killer is not the same as being a slayer and vice versa. That has always been Buffy's point. She she does not want to see herself as a killer. And I felt like she worked through a lot of that, but I get that it could still be a sore spot, much as Xander's struggle with his insecurities. But why she's like this with Willow, it's something you can't conceive of. I'll show you what a Slayer really is. Is Buffy that offended that Willow is saying this? Or maybe Buffy is still really angry about Willow bringing her back from the dead. I I don't know, but it's never quite wrong true to me why Buffy is taking this tone with Willow. It certainly helps us empathize with Willow's desire to overcome Buffy in a fight, but it doesn't feel that authentic to me. At 36 minutes, 29 seconds, Buffy and Willow fight. They wreck the magic box in the process. Willow is not as strong as Glory when she's fighting Buffy, but she is a match for Buffy and perhaps a bit more of one. She gets the better of Buffy several times. It reminds me a bit of Buffy and Faith fighting, and maybe that's part of we got that. I'm going to show you what a Slayer really is because Faith and Buffy often clashed over the role of the Slayer. Out in the street, Andrew asks where they're being taken, and Xander doesn't know. We cut back to Buffy and Willow. Buffy's momentarily gotten the better of Willow, who says, get off me, super bitch. Another line that never quite fit, but I think it's a way of aligning her with Warren now, with the villains who call women bitch as an insult. And it shows Willow is or has become what she hated. Buffy says, I can help you stop. Willow knocks Buffy down again and says, I thought you were going to show me what a slayer was. In the street again, Xander and the others are running, but now Jonathan needs to stop and breathe much as Xander did earlier. Jonathan and Andrew are still lugging those swords. Andrew argues again that he and Jonathan need to get out of town or to Mexico. Xander tells him no, they need to wait to get the all clear from Buffy. So there is that follower thing. Xander is, in this instance, a Buffy follower waiting to hear from Buffy. Andrew says, what if the Slayer's dead already? Dawn gasps and Andrew draws his sword on Xander, pressing the tip against Xander's throat. We cut back to Buffy, who sends Willow flying across the room, crashing into a table of magic supplies. This slides Willow, though, into Anya's sightline, and she now sees that Anya is chanting this spell. Buffy lunges, but Willow knocks her aside and advances on Anya. At 38 minutes, 35 seconds, Xander tries to talk Andrew into dropping the sword, but he won't. Andrew says, I'm not going to die because of something I didn't even do. Again, that theme of Andrew evading responsibility. And this echoes some of Willow's 
challenges in the beginning of the season when she just could not see or would not see the danger she was in and how the magic was harming her and that she had responsibility for some of that and here Andrew is refusing to take responsibility. The trouble for me is with the pace of the episode is we have heard Andrew say this so often that it goes beyond a theme and it just starts feeling like filler because we keep seeing this we keep seeing Jonathan and Andrew having the same argument now Jonathan takes action though and he pulls his sword on Andrew and tells Andrew to let Xander go they debate who will let go first Jonathan has more resolve he pushes the tip harder into Andrew's neck and says Xander's right they are not leaving after this is all over he and Andrew are going back to jail to do their time so there is some real growth here for Jonathan and while Andrew's been repetitious Jonathan has gradually moved through the episode so maybe I am being too hard on the idea of why all the repeating maybe it's not filler it's to show this growth of Jonathan from yeah we have some responsibility we should help and now he's gone to really where Faith got to in season four when she crossed over to Angel which was I am going to voluntarily go back to jail because Jonathan and Andrew could escape here. But Jonathan is saying, yeah, we need to go back and pay for what we did for our part. Now we're at what would normally be the climax of the episode, that final confrontation between protagonist and antagonist that resolves the conflict. Because this is a two-parter, we wouldn't really have to have a climax here. What we end up with is a midpoint, but there is a resolution between Buffy and Willow in which Willow prevails, and then we get that midpoint of the double episode arc. So at 39 minutes, 23 seconds, as Willow is going after Anya, Anya screams, help me, help me. But Buffy is nearly unconscious. She can't quite get up yet. And Willow tells Anya that Anya can't do spells if she can't chant. And she can't chant if she's sleeping. And Willow knocks Anya out. Buffy staggers to her feet. And Willow tells Buffy she gets it now. The Slayer thing isn't about violence. Quote, it's about the power. End quote. She shoots electric bolts at Buffy, knocking her down again. And Buffy is barely breathing. So this is the end for this episode of the Buffy versus Willow confrontation. And Willow has prevailed. And this is a major reversal for Buffy in the two-part episode or for Buffy and her friends as protagonist. She could couldn't stop Willow from harming Anya and she couldn't keep that protection spell going so Jonathan and Andrew are now easily killed by Willow or can be so she has failed in her whole goal Willow stands over her and says and there's no one in the world who has the power to stop me now. Now Willow gets her major reversal because a bright green light flashes across the room. Willow goes flying, lands on her back on the floor, and at 40 minutes, 18 seconds, Giles stands in the doorway and says, I'd like to test that theory. And that's the end of the episode. I do have more in foreshadowing because this episode both foreshadows a lot of part two and has foreshadowing for season seven. 
There are spoilers there, so if you're not sticking around for foreshadowing, thank you so much for listening, and a special thank you to patrons who support the show. Please come back in two weeks for the next episode, Season 6, Episode 22, Grave, where Giles and Willow battle, Buffy keeps fighting, and Xander is there to the very end. And we are back for foreshadowing, which does include spoilers. There is so much here about Xander feeling ineffective, feeling frustrated, being unable to do anything and feeling like things are his fault. All of this, while I find it a little bit beyond where Xander would really go, does a great job of setting up part two, where Xander finally saves the day. All Anya's jibes about Xander not being able to do anything. Also things she said in earlier episodes about, oh, you're just going to make jokes and that's all you know how to do. Here where she comments, oh, things will get tough and you'll propose. Pointing out that Xander often plays the clown. All of this highlights Xander's feelings that at best he offers some comic relief to the group. But it turns out that he will save the day. His love for Willow, his loyalty, his genuinely being willing to be there with her and not try to talk her out of anything just to say, look, I'm going to be with you to the end. Even if it means you kill me first, last, whatever it is, I know you. I'm there for you. So much more than Buffy is able to do. Buffy's trying to talk Willow out of things. Xander shows up with genuine emotion. That is what gets through to Willow. So all his insecurity, all his ineffectiveness provides the counterpoint to Xander does have strengths and they will save the world. Andrew's horribleness in this episode that he is willing to summon a demon to kill Willow, his repetition of we didn't do anything, contrasted to Jonathan who does continue and almost complete a redemption arc might be why we get Andrew back in season seven rather than Jonathan. There may have been something with the actors why Danny Strong couldn't come back, but I've often wondered why Andrew I don't get why people love him so much. I know a lot of people do. So if you do, that's great. Maybe email me and tell me why. And I will try to be fair to Andrew in season seven. But I did often wonder because Jonathan throughout has been a more engaging character because he's partly because he is emotional, because he does seem to at least a lot of times want to do the right thing. He has goals we empathize with. But Jonathan doesn't really need a redemption arc and Andrew does to redeem Andrew, which happens in season seven is a pretty major feat for the writers and they do pull it off well I buy it and he's an interesting character to try to redeem because of this follower aspect for Andrew to go from just following the strongest person around to genuinely making choices sorting out what's the right thing choosing for himself is a huge character arc 
Buffy's dialogue in this episode includes something that I completely missed on all my previous watches, which is when she talks about how if Willow gets lost in the magic, she'll lose everything. And Buffy specifically says that the world will go away. All Willow's friends will go away. Does that sow the seed with Willow that later blooms into her idea that she will destroy the whole world? Whether that sows the seed with Willow or not, it does seed that idea for the audience so it is not quite as out of the blue that that's what Willow decides to do. After all, Buffy warned us that that would happen. Back to Jonathan for a moment. I said he almost has a redemption arc because at the end of Grave, he and Andrew are going to run off and go to Mexico. Maybe that's also why we get that repetition because while Jonathan keeps resisting and pushing back. Andrew does keep making all the arguments for why they should escape. And some of them are ones we can identify with and they're why it doesn't seem so terrible when Jonathan agrees to take off because when they do leave, there's no protection spell on them anymore. Buffy is down this, uh, she's down in the, in the ground. There's this giant hole. It doesn't look like she's going to be able to get out. And at any rate, Willow can clearly get to them before Buffy could revive and help them. And really, Buffy is not the one who's been able to help them. It's been Anya with that protection spell. And they know because that ball of fire comes at them. That's clearly over. So we can see why at that point, Jonathan might be like, yeah, all right, let's let's take off. He is willing to go to jail, but I don't think he's willing to die. Finally, that line that Willow says that she gets it, being a slayer isn't about the violence, it's about the power, sets up the theme for season seven. I'm pretty sure the first lines that Buffy says in season seven are, who has the power or it's about the power. And the series ends with Buffy making the choice to share her power and subvert the entire plan of the very first watchers of how the Slayer line would work. And I never noticed that before either. I think that is very cool that the writers did that. And on that note, I will end this episode. Thank you again for listening. Come back in two weeks for season six, episode 22, Grave, where Giles doses Willow with good magic, Buffy and Dawn fight together, and Xander saves the day. You can find back episodes of the podcast on YouTube or at lisalily.com, where you can also find my mysteries and thrillers and the Buffy and the Art of Story books. If you'd like to connect or share your thoughts about Buffy, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Lisa M. Lily. That's L-I-S-A-M as in Marie, L-I-L-L-Y. Or email me at BuffyStoryPod at gmail.com. Music for this episode was written and performed by Robert Newcastle. Buffy and the Art of Story is a production of Spiny Woman, LLC. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Thank you.